Thanks for joining us for another amazing message from C3 Church Calgary. Our hope is that our podcast will equip and connect you to Jesus. Now prepare your hearts to receiving something new from God today. Are you ready to be taught the Word of God? Here's what happens when we gather together like this, um, is that <clears throat> we invoke the presence of God to instruct us and to teach us. I am simply the heir through this voice box, but the Holy Spirit can actually teach you while you're sitting there. This is a a wonderful thing when we begin to share the truths from the Word of God. And I'll be speaking tonight at East Village as well. It's really great what's going on down there. I I love that. And part of when we get together on Sunday mornings uh, is not just uh, to be taught, but it's to it's to gain a hunger for the Word of God so that we begin feeding ourselves day after day after day after day. And I think that's how we're meant to live, not by bread specifically. Bread will feed you physically. Uh, I love bread. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus, for gluten in my life. It just liberates me. <laughs> and uh, not by bread, but by words that are proceeding from the mouth of God, and that feeds our spirit. And um, so, um, so just reading through the scriptures, and of course we are really encouraging people to grab, take the, through the Bible in a year, um, Bibles out there, and find yourself a place and just read through the Bible this year, but not just read, allow the word to get into you and allow it to be part of your life. And uh, I'm just, I was surprised this year, I was reading uh, Genesis again, and um, did, how many knew that, that Adam was not created in the garden? Did you know that? Everybody knew that? You knew that. Oh, I didn't know that. See? I read, I've been, th- how many times I've been through there, and all of a sudden I see. And then, and then you know, even when, when um, I would have thought that, I've always thought that the first guy to have heard a parrot speak would have been messed up. That's what I thought. <laughs> or the first guy to discover where milk, you know, came from. Um, <clears throat> but, what was he doing? Um, <laughs> but the... Uh, but that, but that an animal, that a snake actually is talking to Eve seems like a normal deal. But, but something happened after that, and I, I like snakes. Kelly doesn't so much. I like snakes. I had one for a pet for a number of years. Um, but they used to have legs, apparently, these snakes. And then they would talk. And all of this is, seems like really wild until you see that there's a story being woven through the entire scriptures. And, uh, and when we gather on moments like this and days like today, it's not simply to hear an interesting thought because largely Christianity in North America has been intellectual. That's not really the, the name of the game. The name of the game is about the Holy Spirit at work within us. That's the real deal. <clears throat> that, and, and, and this morning I wanna talk about uh, spiritual warfare, um, <clears throat> that, that we would uh, understand that we are involved in a battle, and the battle is spiritual, that there's a spiritual bat- battle that takes place, and um, that we have spiritual weapons, and we have a spiritual enemy. And that's basically what I want to talk about this morning. Spiritual warfare in general, I just want to make a couple of general statements, first of all. Um, Spiritual warfare generally is replacing lies with truth. 
primarily. Primarily, it's surrendering our way of thinking for God's way of thinking. It's letting go of our earthly perspective and grabbing onto a heavenly perspective. That's largely what it is. When we talk about spiritual warfare, we're we're talking about not physical warfare. It's spiritual warfare. And and we're we're actually, Paul says, we're not ignorant of Satan's devices, uh, which I don't think is quite accurate. I think many times we are. And so I don't wanna specifically address possession or oppression or depression specifically. I want to talk about the influence, the spiritual influence in your life because we are all influenced spiritually. You are under some spiritual influence today. And, um, and so that's, that's when, when I talk about spiritual warfare, that's primarily what I want to talk about. Um, you will never lose a battle because the enemy is smarter or because the enemy is more powerful, first of all. We lose spiritual battles because, either because of selfishness or that we were not alert. So, so when we, we hear that Jesus said that all authority is given unto me in heaven and earth, how much authority is that? All. So, so where is, does the authority lie? It lies in Christ. And as you and I are in Christ, we have authority. Satan does not have authority in your life. So, so we never lose a battle because the enemy is more powerful. And you've heard me before talk about he came as a snake, not as a grizzly bear or a mountain lion. He didn't use power. He has no power to use unless we give him power. <clears throat> so it's not more power, and it's actually, I don't believe he's more intelligent. I believe he's deceitful and deceptive, and he tricks us. And so this morning, in the name of Jesus, I want to ask the Holy Spirit to lift all of the darkness and the fog off of you that you could see the tricks and the devices and the schemes of the enemy that you could walk in a greater place of authority and victory. All right? That's what I want to talk about. Okay. Um, Okay, so uh, there's four tactics that the enemy typically uses. And, um, and they're, they're, they're not new. He has no creativity in him. <clears throat> Use the same things. When he, there were, uh, a number of weeks ago, we talked about the four questions that God had in the garden to Adam, three to Adam, one to Eve. Uh, I want to just direct your attention to the tactics that the enemy used in the garden. They're still the same today. Four tactics. The first thing is the enemy comes in disguise. <clears throat> he came in disguise. He does not show up in red spandex. Actually, we're told he he often even appears as an angel of light. Means he appears as someone good. He comes in disguise. He still comes in disguise. The second tactic we see in scripture is he comes to divide and conquer. He didn't come to Adam. He came to Eve. He came to separate them. There's an assignment to separate every godly uh, relationship, marriage, covenant relationship, there's an assignment to separate that. So f- the, the, as husbands in your home, there's an assignment to separate your home, to divide your home. <clears throat> the third tactic 
that he used was to doubt the word of God. Has the Lord really said? He, was pro- he probably had a baritone voice. Like, like David Attenborough, probably like a Cambridge English, how's the Lord really said? Probably something like that. Sneaky. So he, he makes you doubt, doubt the word of God. <clears throat> and the fourth thing that he does is make you question the motives of God. These are the four primary tactics that the enemy uses. And he uses them over and over and over again. He's probably used them on you this morning. <clears throat> How did he use them? Did he use them physically? No. He used them spiritually. Are the weapons of our warfare are not physical. So if you're not careful, like I don't know what your background is around warfare or anything, but <clears throat> I mean, I just want to say, that, that, um, so I want to say largely that it's a spiritual battle. It's not physical. So if you feel it's important to yell at Satan, you go ahead. But your volume is not going to threaten him. And, and um, besides, physicalness is not the issue, it's spiritualness. <laughs> okay, so I'm just laying down a few things here, okay? The battle, the battle is, a, the battle is, is from my perspective, percentage-wise, it's 90 to 99% in your mind. Now, there is times when, you know, in my journey, I've had physical experiences. Rather not talk about them too much. Um, but, but I've had a couple that were, that were, just before I got saved, actually, I had an encounter with, I didn't, you know, I don't know, I just know it was dark. I don't know who it was. Likely wasn't Satan. He's got much more important things to do than hang out in northern Saskatchewan with me, that's for sure. <clears throat> but, and, then, and then other times going through when we were taking land, I, I do recall one night standing over our property praying, and I actually had this wind blow past me and this horrible stench of, literally, of sulfur. And I go, who did that? <laughs> it's awful. <clears throat> I realized in the, I was in the presence of something foul. Another morning I woke up with bite marks on my arm. So there can be some physical stuff, there can be, but here, I'm just here today to suggest, forget about that largely, and work on your thought life. <laughs> That's where the battle is. 90 some percent is how we think. And so the battle is in our mind, we're multidimensional. And the unseen world is very, very real. And the way that we navigate through the spiritual world, according to Psalm 119, is by his word. It says, the word, it says that the word of God is perfect. This is our only hope of navigating straight. And the process of how to get the word to work is in Mark chapter four, about, about planting the seed. The seed is always good, never not good. It's where it's planted, that's the issue the parable of the soils, of how it gets planted. So getting the word to work requires us doing some personal work inside. You'll note that when you read through the story of, uh, which is a picture of us coming out of Egypt, it took 40 hours approximately to get the Egyptians out of, sorry, the Israelites out of Egypt, but it took 40 years to get Egypt out of the Israelites. It's kind of the same statistic for us. In a moment of trauma and crisis, 
you can find deliverance and freedom. But in order to keep and maintain that freedom, it'll probably take you discipline to stand for the rest of your life. We're in a battle and you are either, we are either a target or we're a victim. There's no neutral ground in the spiritual world. The more of Christ that's in you, the greater target you are, the bigger target you are. Because you personally, he's not that upset about, but he is very threatened by the Christ in you. That's, that's what upsets him. Um, <clears throat> we, have a, we have a battle, and, it, and it's okay, it's, a, it's fine. The, let me give you a, a brief uh, theology. Um, so I want us to be clear that we need to stay true to the word and understand what's revealed in the word is our, our only hope. The greatest potential for error and destruction is when a, and when a lie comes across your radar with just enough truth in it to make you miss it. Every cult was started based on a truth. Just got off track. So it's a fine line. From the beginning there's been an assignment to distrust the word of God, hath God said. So we need, first of all we need to learn that the word of the Lord is our, is our guide and our navigator. This is warfare, Ephesians chapter six, verses 10 to 12, says that we are not wrestling against flesh and blood, but unseen influences that cause good people to do dumb things. Ephesians chapter six, from my perspective, <clears throat> is, is our, our metaphors of our mind. So when you put on the armor of God, you're not physically putting it on. Well, if you are, I mean, that's your own little charade. If you want to, you can. I mean, strap on the boots of peace. I don't know, lace them up. Yeah, have a good day. Put up that shield of faith if you wanna take up the sword of the spirit. But they're, what they are is they're metaphors about our mind, about our thoughts. <clears throat> That's what they are. Our war, the warfare and our weapons are not physical. <clears throat> All right? <clears throat> okay. Just keeping it clear. The, the very idea that spiritual forces influence people even though it's clearly biblical, are foreign to many. What do you mean I'm under the influence of a spiritual force? Think about it. You're under the influence of something. By the way, you know, in, in Philippians it says that we, we're to let your moderation be known to all men. There's more said in the New Testament about, about emotional drunkenness than drunkenness by alcohol. <clears throat> Any emotional, emotional drunkenness gets you, is just as dangerous as intoxication by alcohol. <clears throat> we, we are to let our moderation, any, any extreme will lead us into or potentially make us vulnerable to influence, negative spiritual influence. So, so Proverbs chapter 23 and verse seven says, as a man thinketh, I guess that would be King James, thinketh. As a man, <laughs> I'm tempted. <clears throat> As a man thinks, so is he. You are the sum of your thoughts. Your actions, your words are prefaced by thoughts. Am I right? You eventually, what you think, they're, pro they're prophets. What you think you eventually do or act out in some way. So we were meant to guard and protect our minds. So, so let me just suggest that the basis or the seat of authority for you to function 
will, be, will come out of your thought life. Not, and the question is, what's influencing then your thought life? Let me share about the myth of dualism. I think this is one of the biggest myths that's propagated by Hollywood all the time. It's called dualism, that God and the devil are in a life and death struggle over the world and that the outcome is in question and it could go either way. It's a nail biter. That's a myth. That's a lie. There's no battle over the world between darkness and light primarily. That's all been settled. It's just working that out on the earth. Nothing could be further from the truth. The truth that the destiny of every person lies in their personal choice. That's true. And the outcome of the battle, good and evil, was determined when Jesus Christ rose from the dead and stripped Satan of all of his power. That's where the victory took place. There's lots of theories about Satan's fall. That he was, but, he, but remember, he was an anointed cherub. Ezekiel 28. He, he was not always the accuser. And by the way, he no longer has access to the throne room to accuse any longer. He's been expelled from heaven, and according to Hebrews chapter 11, the Holy of Holies, the temple in heaven, has been cleansed. Because he messed it up, but it's been cleansed. There is no longer any accusation coming before the Lord from the accuser, because he no longer has access to the throne room. That's a big deal. That's a really big deal. Well, here's what happens. We accuse ourselves with our good consciences. All right, when we seek to clear this up, we, we minimize the majesty of Christ and create a dualistic concept that they're, they're near equals and that there's a fight for the destiny of mankind. Satan and God are not even close to being equal in power. Satan is an ex-employee of heaven, a created being who God, while God, and God is the creator. He's an angel that failed and dominion was lost, and he was defeated, and the only access point is now through our, your hearts and our minds of those who will not take the word of God literally. When we live carelessly, we open our lives up to torment, destruction, and we get tricked and seduced. Jesus said, all authority was given unto me in heaven and earth. My Bible says that the enemy goes around seeking whom he may devour. The operative word is may. He can't just, and he, he has no access to your personal thoughts unless you give him access to your thoughts. All right, okay. Um, Hollywood perpetuates the smoke screen and presents him as powerful, orderly, and charismatic. Everything that is the fruit of the spirit, he is the opposite of that. So his kingdom is not orderly, first of all. It's chaotic. The, 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 when, when the Holy Spirit gets involved in our life, the fruit of that is love, joy, peace, patience. He has no patience. He has no peace. He's tormented. He has no order. And so we have to understand that there's, there's no fruit of the Spirit in this cherub who fell because of pride, which is what happened. Neither Satan or his hordes have any order. And proportionately, you know, they're becoming more and more and more outnumbered as there's more and more people and there's no more demons being created, right? So this, this is good news. He's losing power. He's not wise, he's not all-knowing, he cannot read your thoughts, and he was not the worship leader in heaven. 
If you would like to disagree, you can find me some good, solid scripture and bring it to me. But we, we've made up in our minds some of these myths, but they're simply not based on scripture. If he, he would have known what he was doing, he would never have crucified Christ. He would have killed everybody else there <laughs> instead of him. He did not know what he was doing. He didn't know what he was getting into. So this is a beautiful thing. All right. Um, okay. Okay, let me just, um, quick, so now I've got that. Let me, let's just maybe just use the word of the Lord here for a minute. Second Corinthians chapter um, 10. I've got this in a couple different versions here. The first one I want to read is from the New Living. And most of you know this, but here's what he's talking about. Here's where our battle is. For though we walk in the flesh, we don't war according to the flesh. Verse three. We're humans, but we don't wage war with human plans or methods. He's talking about a spiritual battle. You and I are engaged in a spiritual battle. That's okay. We've got spiritual weapons. It's okay. We walk with the one who rules and reigns on the earth. All right. We are human, but we don't always work in human plans and, and methods. We use God's mighty weapons, not merely worldly weapons, to knock down the devil's strongholds. A stronghold is a, is a, is a, a, a pattern of thought that holds you strong. It's strong and it holds you. We use God's mighty weapons, not merely uh, worldly weapons. We knock down the devil's strongholds. With these weapons, what do we do? We break down proud arguments. What are those thoughts? We're breaking down proud arguments. Did you know there's proud arguments that are at work right now in you? And, and, and we break down proud arguments that keep you from knowing God and who he really is. With these weapons, we conquer rebellious ideas, thoughts, and we teach them to obey Christ. The New King James says it this way, just a little bit different. It says that though we walk in the flesh, we don't war according to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God, for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Here, here's what we have to uh, understand about, th this is not, okay, this is how it works for me. You might, maybe it's, you got it way different. It doesn't tell us to stop thinking sinful thoughts. Good luck with that, you can't do that. If you decide in your mind and you put your will to it, I'm never gonna have another evil thought. What have you done? You focus on the evil thought. Go, try it. This, this, is how, this, is, this is marketing. This is how window shopping works. I know, I went to shop for a truck the other day. It's a problem, it's spiritual warfare. Do you need navigation? I, no, I know where I'm going, what do you? Um, well, what happens? Well, you start to look at something. You start to think about something. Just try that. If I said like, you know, yellow Camaro, SS. Now you start thinking about that. What's the door handles like? How's the leather feel? How's it smell? What are you doing? You're meditating. You're repeating this in your mind. Okay, so now I'm gonna say, don't think about that. <laughs> I know, that's called a vain imagination. A selfish imagination. And many of us have vain imaginations of what God's like, what the enemy's like, what other people are like, and we function out of these paradigms that are established within our worldview. So what does he tell us to do? He says, he doesn't tell us to stop thinking sinful, stupid thoughts. He says to take them captive. You can't stop thoughts from coming. You can't stop your imagination from working. 
Someone says to me, I don't have an imagination. I'll go like this. Tell me what, what's, um, what's in your living room right now? Well, we got a leather couch. I said, well, really, how are you seeing that? You got a capacity to imagine. So this is what meditation does for us. It helps us to feel and become and to be in the place of our dominant thoughts. So what do I do with the thought? I take that sucker captive. What's that mean? That means I put it in jail. <laughs> How do you do that? Because you can't stop thoughts from coming. Well, what can you do? You can take it captive now and command that thing to come under the obedience of Christ. And if Christ de dealt with that thought based on his death, burial, and resurrection, if he did, then you are victorious with him. Now you have freedom to think that thought. I'm coming to a, one of the, the greatest strategies of spiritual warfare that I've ever learned. I'm coming up to it. Okay. Uh, 1 Samuel chapter 17. And, and, here, and here it is. Um, let me set up the story for you. I think it's one of the best pictures of battle in Scripture. <clears throat> David and Goliath. David is showing up with lunch for his brothers. He's bringing cheese sandwiches. He doesn't know that there's another spiritual agenda being played out. What's gonna happen? David is about to be promoted, but he doesn't know that. But here's what we ha you maybe haven't learned yet. At your place of greatest vulnerability is your place of greatest promotion. And you have to learn this tactic if you're going to win in spiritual warfare. So here's what it's a setup. Battle often precedes promotion. This is a, a physical thing, uh, battle with a spiritual parallel. Listen closely. So David, now he makes a threat. In warfare, uh, the, 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 there's a language to warfare. It's called intimidation. He's talking smack talk here. So here's, here he said, David shouts out, uh, he shouts out, are you coming at me? Are you coming, what does he say? Uh, he said, am I a dog that you come at me with a stick? David has a stick and stone. Have you ever heard of sticks and stones? That's where it comes from. David has a stick and some stones. Goliath has three weapons. And, and they're talking, he said, come on over here and I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna give your flesh to the birds and wild animals. Goliath yelled. David yelled back. He didn't leave that thought because if you leave, leave with that thought, what are you thinking? Pretty soon, you're thinking, gosh, I'm, I'm a carcass being ripped apart. You got it, you got, see what, he, see what he's doing? He's getting a hold of his thoughts. And he's speaking from a place of knowledge. He's, brought, he's bringing thoughts captive, so he now speaks from a place of victory. And he says, you come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, all of which can take the head off the Goliath. And he, here's you he say, you come at me with this, but I come at you with the name of the Lord and the God, the God of the armies of Israel whom you defied. Today the Lord will conquer you and I will kill you and I will cut off your head and I will give the dead bodies of your men, not just you, but your men, to the birds and wild animals and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. Everyone will know that the Lord does not need weapons to rescue his people. What? The Lord doesn't need weapons? <clears throat> David doesn't have a sword. But here's what he's got. He's got something in his hand. All the Lord needs is a willing subject with something in their hand willing to fight. If he thought he needed a sword, he would have given him a sword. Saul gave him his sword. That was useless. It was somebody else's sword. Are you listening to me? He, you don't need a sword in battle. You just need to use what God's already placed in your hands. 
You've got every weapon you need to bring down the Prince of Darkness right now. Everyone, you don't need to go to another conference. You don't need to go to another college course. You don't need to go and do another. All you need to do is take what you've got and use what you've got and give it. And here's what will happen. This sounds, this sounds crazy. He's got a stick and some stones. Both of them are blunt. How is he going to cut the head off Goliath? I'm glad you asked. <clears throat> the language of warfare is always intimidation because he starts to mess with your mind. You'll never do this. Who do you think you are? You're never going to win that battle. You're never going to succeed. You're not going to ever be debt free. You're not going to, all of this. You got to grab those thoughts. And so he goes like this. He said, Goliath moved closer, but David ran. When you know you're going to win, you run into battle. When you know promotion is ahead, you run into battle. I love this. In verse, finally he says, he reached into a shepherd's bag, took out a stone. You know that story. Hurled it from his sling, hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sunk in. I've highlighted that. You know, my person, my personally, I think he kept the stone. I think he carried it with him. I would. A little bit of blood on the one side, I'd keep it. <laughs> Heck. First, first, I kept the first lead when I shot my moose. I mean, it doesn't mean much, to, but to some, it means something. He goes, he goes, and, it, and, and this is what happened. I don't know if you knew this or not. So David triumphed over the Philistine giant with only a stone and a sling. And since he had no sword... Since he had no sword, he ran over and he pulled Goliath's sword from its sheath. And he used, and David used it to kill the giant and cut off his head. The stone didn't kill the giant. He killed him with his own sword. Here's, here's the principle. You have to learn to take what the devil comes at you with to turn around and take off his head. That's the principle. Can you see it? And he didn't just leave an indent in his head. He took the head. Had a little, I don't know how you carry heads. Been a, might be two hands, like a bowling ball. Yeah, I don't know. He took the head. At, I, I, you know, I mean, this is, isn't it? He takes it into the king's court. It, sh for sure, it's dripping. He doesn't want to forget what just happened. Are you... Are you when you carry around a head for a little while, man, you get ballsy. <laughs> when was the last head you took off? What's, what's happening here? This is the outworking of an ancient prophetic promise. In, 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 in uh, Genesis chapter 3, the ancient promise was a very specific strategy that was gender specific, and it's riveting. From now on, you and the woman will be enemies and your offspring and hers will be enemies. He, Jesus, will crush your head and you will strike his heel. This, my point, head over heels. How do, you, how do you hurt your heel? By stepping on heads. Anybody ever step on a Lego? <laughs> it's awful. Thing. Okay. This is spiritual and it's related to headship and authority, taking off the head. Here I come. I just want to come down the back stretch now. If, if, you, if you want to understand, this is, my, this is my conclusion, you want to understand the level of contempt at which the demonic world holds you and I, read Job chapter 2 and verse 4. And here's, yeah, here's what the enemy says. Skin for skin. 
He says, skin for skin, they'll deny you. What does he mean? It means when it comes right down to it, mankind is unwilling to die to self. He'll, he'll, he will use self-preservation at every cost. If you wanna take off the enemy's head, you have to learn about dying to self. He doesn't know what to do with that. He has no, he knows basically how we're led around by our, our flesh. And he can predict your next move when you get in an argument with someone, he can predict your next move and he can whisper in your ear and he can fuel that thing. He, has, he can fuel any fight, any moment of rage. He can fuel it and fuel it and fuel, pretty soon you become like a litigation lawyer. You're like a John Grisham, like all over. And you know every reason why you should win this argument. He has no idea what to do when you choose to act in love and surrender and submission and humility. He has no idea what to do with that. So what? We are told to deny ourselves and take up our cross. Understand, he doesn't ask us to take up Christ's cross. You and I were not meant to bear the cross of Christ. We have our own cross. So here's what you do. We learn. We learn to take thoughts captive and we turn them around and we destroy the head, take off that voice. We destroy it by turning the thing he meant to destroy you to turn it around and, 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 and absolutely destroy his voice. This is big because you'll get into a situation this week and you were in some this week. You had the opportunity to turn the other cheek. But you know, just got led along and pretty soon you're in the game. When I decided last year, when I was going through all these health issues, I decided I'm not gonna let this thing take me down. I'm gonna use it for an enemy, for, to destroy and to take off, to rip off and silence the lies of Goliath in our family and our family line. So I've written a book that I haven't published, it's just terribly grammatically un, unreadable. <laughs> but I was not gonna sit around and suck my thumb. Here's what, here's what we have to learn. You have to learn when you have an angry thought to take that anger and turn it into compassion for your brother. He has no idea how to handle that, none. You, here's, here's what I've decided. When, when all of a sudden you've got an anxious thought, right, you have, you have to get a hold of that thing, the very thing that he's using against you, you have to use that thing to turn it around now into a prayer of thanksgiving. You hear? This is spiritual warfare. Is it that simple? Uh-huh, and it's that hard. Here's what I've chosen. Anytime I get a lustful thought, I've turned it into a prayer for purity. And do you know what happens? Pretty soon, no more wah, 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 wah. Why, because if he ever thought that he, what he was using against you was gonna make you into someone more like Christ, baby, his head is taken off, his voice is silenced. I just gave you the clue, a key, a, spirit, a, a strategic spiritual key to destroy the works and the lies and the influence of your enemy. You have to learn that he wants to simply steal, kill, and destroy, but Christ has come that you could have a full and a great life. Your thoughts are critical, and you have to be renewing of your mind daily and moment by moment and you will be confronted with the enemy. And when he comes at you with a thought, you know, I mean, this will happen, it, all, it happens in church. You know, those guys at that church, they're all just wacky. You may have had that a moment ago. 
going to say, I'm going to bless the body of Christ. Thank you, Lord, for your body. It's, it's, per, it's pervasive all over the earth. It's bringing incredible healing all over the earth. You know what happens? You lose the fuel. The head is taken off and the lies are silenced. You'll start to, in, a, in your marriage, there'll be little words that'll come up. Hey, hey, she doesn't do this. Why didn't she do that anymore? Just silence that thing, get a hold of that thing and turn it in and say, thank you, Jesus, for my wife. Best cook, sexiest mama. She's the, like, don't even, like, and just begin to declare that pretty soon, that old... I'm helping you. This should help you. You're going to get thoughts that are going to be deviant. It's not because you're deviant. It's because you've got it. There's, a, there's, a, there's an enemy that's crouching at your door trying to destroy your home. You can silence him by using the opposite spirit. Jesus said when someone comes at you cursing you, that's okay. You just bless them. What happens? The curse is broken. We can do that. We can bless and curse not. What about when someone wants to persecute you? That's okay. What's when someone wants to give, they want your shirt. That's okay. Give them your coat, your pants, and your sacks underwear too. I have, I'm, this, is, this is helpful. That's my best. I, I just hit you with my best shot. You want to stand to your feet? Holy Spirit. So great be together in the house of God. I thank you. That I, I, I serve people that want to follow you. Thank you that they'll take your word and they'll weigh it this week. Thank you for your word. Thank you, Father, for strong minds. You've given us, not given us a spirit of fear, but love, power, sound mind. Lord, I, I, people have had some thoughts. They think they're bound by those thoughts this morning. You have shown them how to unravel the barbs of the liar and the thief and the killer. So in Jesus' name, I declare your freedom over these minds, Lord. I thank you that we now are the ones who take our place of authority seated with Christ. Thank you that you have won the victory, Lord, for us, and you've made a public display of the enemy. And I thank you today, Lord, that his power has been dissolved in this place and in our minds and over our families in the name of Jesus. Amen. We hope this message has impacted you. For more information about what's going on, please check out our website at myc3church.ca. Now go change your world.